Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. John, the third chapter. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. May we receive a blessing in the hearing of these words. So our theme this week is the world needs good news. The world needs good news. It's so true, and it's a little churchy. You know, it's something we talk about. We have good news. Jesus is the good news. People need it. But if people really saw good news here, they would be flocking to the church, but they're not. A lot of people, when they hear the good news, that they need to hear the good news, what they hear is church is where you get, where you learn the secret handshake to escape hell. You know, don't you think so? That's what people hear. Follow Christ so that you can escape hell. I think that's what a lot of people hear. In fact, it was so common in early America that preaching was like that, that that was the point, was avoiding hell, that that style of preaching even got a name, fire and brimstone. But you know what? Most people today, especially young people, they're not very concerned about hell. Many of them don't believe in hell, that hell exists, so they're not very concerned about avoiding hell. So it's not good news to avoid something that you're not very concerned about. Mark Clark, who's a teacher on a preaching course that I'm doing, um, talks about when when he was young and unchurched, and he said, We need to share why faith matters. We need to share why faith in Jesus matters. He said, because when I, he said, a lot of the reasons that we say just don't make sense. People say, you know, you should believe in Jesus because there's something missing in your life. He said, I was, because there was nothing missing in my life. I was partying. I was hanging out with friends. I was doing what I wanted all the time. There was nothing missing. 
think about myself when I was young and unchurched. And I heard about Jesus and my grandparents were religious. And and I thought, I kind of saw Jesus as like a self-improvement plan. So I did lots. I was very interested in self-improvement and having good study habits so I could get good grades and working hard and going to college and climbing the professional ladder. And then my life fell apart. My professional life fell apart. I had done all those things. I had gotten good grades, and I'd gone to college, and I'd climbed the professional ladder, and we'd started a business, and it went really well until the lack of startup capital caught up with us. And our business collapsed. We had two little kids, no jobs, lost our house. Jesus' self-improvement was not very compelling for me. Even Jesus is giving you what you want. Giving you happiness wasn't very compelling. For the first time, faith was about being saved when I could not save myself. It was about being saved by God through love. When I started going to church, you know what? I discovered very little talk about hell. I also discovered very little talk about self-improvement. Instead, I heard in the scriptures, I heard talk about God who lifts up the lowly, who defends the meek, who defends the weak, who dreams of a world of social equality, fairness, justice. I heard about a God of integrity, Not just a secret handshake from a God who would condemn you, but I heard about this God of integrity who was not just interested in the afterlife, but terribly interested in life right now, who created the world good and all of us good and invites us into this kingdom of heaven where God, where God's will becomes ours. The Gospel of John, which Gail shared with us, was written about 90 to 100 A.D. So Jesus was crucified, died, and resurrected about 30 A.D. So this gospel was written 60, 70 years later. Unlikely that any eyewitnesses were part of writing this gospel. The gospel came out of a community. We call them the the Joannine community. This was a community of Jews who had been kicked out of the synagogue Of course, all the first followers of Jesus were Jews. It became a movement within the Jewish community. And then in 70, the temple was destroyed and the Christians were kicked out. The Jesus followers, the followers of the way were kicked out. And here it is 20, 30 years later, the Gospel of John is written. This is is a community wondering, had God abandoned them? Where was God? The Gospel of John is the most theological. So all of its language is metaphorical to take us to that transcendent, to describe the indescribable. And it starts at the very beginning in the prologue, which says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. We got to the wrong spot here. I want you to read these next holy words with me. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Light and dark all throughout the Gospel of John. Pay lots of attention. Whenever you see light or dark in the Gospel of John, pay attention. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Greek word that we translate overcome, it means to lay hold of. So take possession of. So the darkness has not taken possession of it. It also means to to lay hold of with your mind, which we would say understand. The darkness has not understood it. Throughout the Gospel of John, light is that presence of God, faith, belief, and darkness is unbelief, absence of God, even rejection of God. In today's reading, it started with Jesus replied. Jesus was having a conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he came at night. He came in the dark. He saw goodness in Jesus, and he wanted to learn more. We can, we can say that, that Nicodemus was positive about Jesus, but he had limited understanding. I feel like I can relate to Nicodemus. I think I'm positive about Jesus, and I'm very aware that I have limited understanding. And Nicodemus came, and the questions he asked were kind of clarifying what he already understood. And Jesus' response, which Gail shared with us, said there's a completely different way to think about God. I'm going to tell you about this new way of thinking about this God. We can... We can rightly call it a paradigm shift. And Jesus calls us to just completely new, deep understandings of Jesus. And one of the primary ways of making those shifts in thinking is to hear stories. And so this morning, Randall is going to share his story with us. So if you'd like to come up here. So you are somewhat new yes. to this church. You came for a while, and then COVID, and now you're back. Is that right? Did I get that right? Uh, yes, Mo and I came here for a while, and COVID hit, and uh, we kind of wandered off and came back after COVID restrictions were uh, lifted. Yeah. And your wife, Mo, was baptized last Easter, which was amazing. Yes, she was. <laughs> so tell us how you first heard about Jesus, and what your first impressions were? I, I was born into the church. Um, I was one of those little rugrats that uh, were brought to church as a baby. And uh, if I remember right, they had like little cages built into a wall with a mattress in the bottom. <laughs> uh, you know, if you've ever, you know, boarded a cat or something like that, it was, you know, sort of like that. And parents would drop off their babies and uh, go pick them up after, after worship service. And uh, we, we attended that church until I was about 12. And uh, it, it, it was a f- 
fire and brimstone church, um, pounding on the pulpit, screaming into the microphone, and um, didn't sit well with my parents. Um, but I had, you know, you, you referred to it as a secret handshake, mm-hmm. and and I kind of referred to it as the fire insurance mm-hmm. uh, type fire. of faith. It 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 was immature faith, uh, just enough to know that, uh, you know, I'm not going to go to hell. So when did you make the decision to follow Christ, or what was that like for you? We had moved. Uh, I, I was in a very small town. Um, in Texas, and we moved to California. Uh, and we we never sought an, another church. Uh, so when I turned 18, uh, you know, and went out and became gainfully employed and working, um, you know, I did something that some people do, and I know no, no, no nobody here can relate to this, but what some people do when they turn 18 is they go out and they do everything that their parents tell them not to do. And, uh, you know, my parents warned me there would be consequences, and there were. And my my parents kind of became, uh, they transformed from, you know, two very stupid people to two very smart people. And from then... I don't know how, how I would describe it. I, 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 I felt a void. Uh, something's missing. Something's wrong with my life. And so I went to church again and uh, started in the college and career group. And that's when I made uh, an adult conscious decision uh, to follow Christ um, when I was probably 20, mm-hmm. 21. Did that answer your question? Yes. Okay. I noticed you have a Cairo tattooed on your arm. I do. That's new. Oh, is it really? Yes. Well, then I feel better for not noticing it earlier. <laughs> so Cairo, can, if anyone can see it, it's, it's a chi in a row. It's the first two Greek letters for Christ um, that go together, look like a P and an X, and that's the chi in the row, and then the alpha and the omega, that Christ is the beginning and the end. And I did put this on my arm, and 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 I didn't uh, do this to advertise, you know, you know, hey, look at me, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, that kind of stuff. I put it on there for myself, as you know, this is the guy I want to be. Mm-hmm. That's when I first started wearing a cross. Yes. It was for me to remind myself every day you're a Christian. Right. It. You know, if you if you put it out there, then you're accountable. Right. So, why do you belong to this church? Well, um, we had, (laughs) uh, how would I describe it, gone into the wilderness. We were church shopping. Uh, And I'm not sure how to do this with political correctness. Uh, there are some churches that if you have certain political views um, you're not well accepted Um, that can be 
a number of things. We, we didn't feel welcome. It was, yeah, we'll go to your church and we'll keep our head down, we'll keep our mouth shut and not expose ourselves, not really expose what we think and try to get along. And that didn't go well, right? Uh, there are things that are taught in churches we don't agree with. So we did come, you know, to this one. We had been to it before, and so we came back to this one. And, you know, we, we belong to this church uh, for, a number of, for a number of reasons. One is uh, to worship and uh, to, you know, be with like-minded people. We, do, we don't have uh, the feeling here that we can't express ourselves um, or our views. Uh, you know, we want to be able to support people that need to be supported in this church, and when we need to be supported, we, we're confident we can have that. Uh, growth and knowledge is a good reason to belong to this church. Uh, I like going to the Bible study. Uh, you know, being able to serve. And, you know, right now, you know, I'm kind of searching for ways to serve. Uh, accountability. Uh, when we come to church, we're accountable to you as a body and to you as our pastor. Uh, so those are the reasons that come to mind. So what's God teaching you about discipleship right now? Good question. Uh, I'm in the wilderness. Uh, we were once attached to a church that did uh, missions to India. Uh, and being paramedics, we were certain that we were called to go to India to work in uh, HIV and AIDS orphanages and in leper colonies. Well, you know what they say, you know, if, if, if you want to see God laugh, make a plan. <laughs> and so, you know, God shut the door on that. And so I'm, I'm kind of in the wilderness right now. Uh, we're in the home of visitation for the, for the people who are shut in. Um, I, I, I just finished the uh, the 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 basic uh, oh gosh. the lay servant lay servant mm -hmm. uh, class I did that online uh, with a group of very talented people from Anchorage Alaska um you know and, and I want to do more but I'm not sure last week we talked about God created us to search for God and you are searching well. Thank you so much. Thank you. We heard, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. This is John 3.16. For many people is their favorite verse of the Bible. I remember as a teenager seeing people with t-shirts that said John 3.16 or just 3.16 and I'll tell you, I thought those Christians and their weird numerology, I don't know what, I didn't know what the heck that was about. 
People love this verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that we might that we might not be dis- that we might everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And if you have an image that that salvation's all about the afterlife and heaven and hell, you hear do not perish as don't go to hell. But remember John, remember that imagery of light and darkness. The word perish in Greek, apolatai, it can mean perish, destroyed, ruin, or lost. You lose things in the darkness and you find them in the light. It's a paradigm shift. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This this light and darkness, it is so important that God does not abandon us in the darkness, but that Jesus comes to us to bring light and that it is the light that is saving. And the condemnation does not come from God deciding that we are unworthy, but it comes from our own choice of loving the darkness. Jesus said the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light. Why do we love darkness? You can hide things in the dark. Jesus said we hide our evil deeds. I think we try to hide our very selves in the dark. I think we all hide things. And so this week I've been thinking about what are the things that I want to hide. And so I've, you know, examined my conscience. What are those those bad actions that I want to hide? And you know what? It's tricky because shame, victim shame, feels a lot like guilt. And if a person has experienced trauma, it messes it up in your head. I recently read an article about a show called Below Deck. It's a reality show where they, uh, you know, they're videoing uh, staff who work on a luxury yacht. And it said that twice in the last season, twice, they had to interrupt sexual assault. So there, you know, they got the cameras going in their hiding places and the production crew had to come in and say, stop! And then the next day, they're interviewing people and what was so striking is the victims expressed guilt. I shouldn't have worn that. I shouldn't have been there. I should have resisted harder. Their expression was stronger than the one who was doing the assaulting. I heard in that, that victim shame. I feel that. I, when I examine my conscience, I am more aware of shame for being victimized than guilt for bad behavior. Now, is that my warped thinking? Trauma does warp your thinking. Or is some of that my just being awash in a culture that says winning is what's most important? Strength is what's important. Strength is more important than integrity. You can have integrity and lose. And we are about strength and winning. 
So there are things in my life that I want to hide, that I don't want to deal with, parts of myself that I want to hide. I love my children. I love my children so much. And being a good mother is probably one of the most important things in my life. And I want them to feel loved and nurtured, and I want them to feel compassion and protected, and I want them to feel cared for. And there are times when I am far from a perfect parent, even though it's what I most want. I have children with ADHD, and on the fifth time of correcting them for the very same thing, I get a little cranky. They would tell you, let's be honest, it's on the first time that I get cranky. Sometimes when they need gentleness and patience, I am tired and I am not gentle. And I don't want to remember that. I don't want to face that. I don't want to face those failings that I have as a parent. I don't want to face condemnation. Because that's, that's how things work, right? When you do bad things, you are condemned. We don't do forgiveness well, but we're really good at condemnation. And in condemnation, someone wins and someone loses. This is especially obvious in our politics. The people on our side are perfect, and whoever we're opposed to is the devil incarnate. It can only be winners and losers. We do condemnation well. We don't do forgiveness well. I don't do forgiveness well. And I'm especially bad at self-forgiveness. And we think God works like we do. We think God is a little light, far away, little glimmer of light, shining down lots of shadows. And we think that if we are honest about our guilt, about our shame, about who we are, that we will be condemned. But God is not like us. God is like the light of the noon on the summer solstice, the light that gets everywhere, where there is no darkness anywhere. This is a light that overcomes the darkness. God is different than us. When we are honest, we're not condemned. We are saved. It is so backwards from what we expect. We expect if God really sees who we truly are, we will be condemned. And instead, we are saved. We are loved. We hide out of fear. And it turns out that hiding is the problem. Not what we did, but hiding is the problem. That it is hiding from God. And when we hide from God, we are loving the darkness. When we hide our sin, we are loving the darkness. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has things we regret. And every one of us has done good things, has done beautiful things. Every one of us has blessed the world with our presence. Every one of us is gifted and amazing in unique and beautiful ways. 
And it turns out that what we have done is not what's most important. What is most important is where we stand. Do we stand in the darkness or do we move to the light of the presence of God? That is what's so important. That's the good news. That's the good news that we are called to share, that our bad deeds do not condemn us. Actually, no fire and no brimstone. Like, we do that to ourselves. When we show up to God, God's love takes us in and loves us, and I have trouble believing it. So I hide. The good news is it's all about light and darkness, moving from the darkness of unbelief to the light of the presence of God. And some of you have shame. Some of you have guilt that you hide. Some of you are hiding sins that you've committed against others. Some of you, the sin is sin you've committed against yourself. Being honest with the world, it might lead to condemnation. It might not. Being honest with your church family about who you are, it might lead to freedom. Being honest with God, it will lead to salvation. The truth brings us to God and the truth changes us. The truth about everything in us that is good and everything that in us that isn't, that truth changes us. A photographer photos of people took their photo and then told them they were beautiful and took their photo again. Hearing the truth about who they were, about how they looked, changed them. Hearing the truth changes us. Honesty with God changes us. It is so backwards from what we expect, and it is such good news. So how do we move from the darkness to the light? How do we come to love the light? It takes honesty. It takes courage. It takes courage to be honest with God, to be honest about who we are, to be honest about our feelings, about our feelings of pride for a job well done, feelings of anger, feelings of hostility, feelings of joy, feelings of disappointment and worry. And you know what? I think it is okay to test God, to see if God is trustworthy here. Because there's a reason we don't share everything with everybody, because that's really not safe. God is different. But it's okay to test. Okay, Lord, here's a little bit of honesty about me. And then pay attention. Are you hearing condemnation? Are you hearing salvation? I think it's okay to test your church family. In fact, I recommend it. In the church, reveal a little more of who you are and find out. 
find out what this Christian love thing really is about. As we reveal a little bit and test. The world needs good news. We, we follow God. Who in our honesty, that we can be completely honest about who we are. We can be completely exposed before God. Completely exposed as who we are, everything that is beautiful, everything that isn't. And God's response is total love and cherishing and salvation. And that is pretty good news. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you created us good. You created us with the capacity for bad deeds. And Lord, at the end, the loving parent that you are, none of that changes your love for us. Lord, give us the courage to be deeply honest with you. And Lord, give us eyes to see us through your eyes. To hear the words you speak to us, calling us by name, loving us and nurturing us. And then Lord, give us words to put us on this experience that is bigger than life. That we can tell others what has happened to us. We pray this in the holy name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crosswaite. CUNY United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.